2: boys and girls, children of all ages, to the winner is coming, Take the Black Podcast. I'm your host, Razor, and I'm here with Corey Fone, first of his name. Corey Smith, second of his name. And he's on a lot of painkillers, so we're going to mess with him tonight. Annie and Isis, we're going to talk about Game of Thrones Season 7. We've got some news for you, but before we start it, let's talk about the Emmys. And Annie, you are our resident... Emmy expert, talk about that really quick. How did Game of Thrones do with the nominations?
3: It uh, did really well. We got uh 24 nods uh for the 20 for the sixth season. Um, well actually it's 23 plus. Um, Game of Thrones got one. Um, which I, I, I think that's, <laughs> they deserve it. I think that's so awesome. Like I just kind of include it in the whole group. Um, but we had several who have never actually gotten uh, nominations before, including Kit Harington for Best Supporting Actor. Um, Uh, Maisie Williams, her Best Supporting Actress, along with them, Peter Dinklage, Amelia Clark, and Lena Lena Headey were all, you know, uh, nominated for a second year. Um, we got two for directing, one for The Door and The Death of Hodder with Jack Bender, and then The Battle of the Bastards, um, which everybody expected. That also got outstanding writing for a drama series. And then, of course, the show itself got outstanding drama series. And then all the other ones are under the, what's known as the Creative Arts Emmys, which are going to be held on September 10th and 11th, the week before. Now, here's the thing. At this point, a damn shame. At this point Game of Thrones actually has... The most Emmys any show has ever won. It holds the record in a tie with The West Wing and with Hill Street Blues. All it has oh, wow. to do is win one more Emmy, and it will have the most all-time Emmys of any TV show ever. And considering that there are, what, about 20-odd under the Creative Arts Emmys the week before, by the time we actually get to the Emmy show on the 18th that airs, it is most likely that Game of Thrones will not only have broken the record, but blown the hell through it for, you know, winning things like costumes and hairstyling and, you know, special effects and, you know, sound editing, all those things, you know, stunt coordination, all those things, it all picks up Emmys for every year because it just does those things so well, and we don't even realize that it's doing those things so well. Like stunt coordination? We don't really think about that, but you know, compare, say, like the stunts on Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. compared to, say, you know the Battle of the Bastards. You know, it's just, they're just, they're working in a completely different, you know
2: they're they're Well, they're also working on a completely larger, different budget, too. It's though, true, they? but
3: they're also, you know, they're just in a category by themselves on some of these things and they're Very just going to walk away with it. So um, I'm actually a little concerned how the Emmys plan to deal with this because, you know, the Creative Arts Emmys have are sometimes aired on television but usually on, like, TBS and people don't pay that much attention to it. So I'm wondering if the Emmys are going to maybe do, like, a special thing um, in the actual broadcast this year to recognize the fact that Game of Thrones is going to be walking in the door already a record holder.
0: Wow.
2: That's amazing. And Corey Thone, I want to hit, hit up you really quick on this. You used to host a little podcast about Americana. Um, too bad it's not around anymore. That's a lot of wasted potential out there. Oh, Oh-ho! Talk to me about uh, where Game of Thrones ranks, um, not just in HBO shows, but shows that have been some of the best shows of all time. I'm talking about like shows like The Wire. Obviously, that's HBO. But I'm talking about all the really good shows like Breaking Bad on AMC. Where does this rank?
4: um honestly i don't know what you just asked me because the connection got really bad and
2: oh awesome yeah. great uh
4: okay. I mean, well, I,
2: let me let me repeat the question really quick yeah, I'm, hit me. I'm sorry I, I do have a little bit of an internet connection problem tonight guys so i do apologize for that but Corey, what i wanted to ask you was where does game of thrones rank compared to other great shows like breaking bad or the wire we talked about that before where does game of thrones rank in your mind
4: I mean it's pretty up there in terms of of scale I would say that it's it might be the biggest show to be this successful. I mean uh, the only show I can think of with this many characters with this many names is The Wire. I remember reading at one point that The Wire had o- over 1000 named characters in its five seasons. Wow. And uh, you know Game of Thrones has a lot of names and they're all kind of hard to remember. Being able to keep <laughs> being able to keep someone and The Wire was never as popular not even in the same sport let alone ballpark as game of thrones is right now so it's
2: been, on, it's been a kind of an on-demand star basically yeah it's the wires picked up steam
4: after the fact for sure and uh you know game of thrones been able to take something so absurd and huge and get people to enjoy it as much as they have on a mass scale is really impressive uh if i was to rank my favorite shows it would definitely be in the top 10 probably Pushing top five, and at that point you're just you're splitting hairs. At that point,
2: rarefied I mean, air. At that point, yeah. I
4: mean, it's like oh, the, depending on what day it is, this show might be higher. My favorite show of all time will always be, at least at this point, be The Wire, followed by probably Justified, and then you get to mm. Game of Thrones, Breaking Bad, and a few other, um, you know, really great. You know, Burn Notice. That was a joke, but. um... <laughs> <laughs> Not that I didn't like Jeffrey Donovan on Burn That was a joke. But, like, I mean, there's – yeah, really rare, like you said. At that point, you're you're talking about accomplishing something that's incredibly hard, especially the difference, I think, with um, Game of Thrones and with other ones is they're also adapting from uh, the book and having to tweak it for a show. Um, I don't know. It's just – it's it's definitely different than any of those other ones that I named. Uh,
2: So, yeah. Uh, Isis, I'm going to come back to you in a second. Uh, I want to ask Corey Smith really quick. You have a quick point about this. Well, I I was just,
5: you know, we're starting to talk about where it ranks. And I think that one of the most amazing things that the show has done is to bring in the female viewer. Um, Because I think that, you know, on paper, when you talk about the show, the show about dragons, there's naked people every day, you know, every 30 seconds on the show, someone's getting their head chopped off. It doesn't seem like a show that female viewers would really attach to, and I've really been surprised to see how many female viewers really like it. I mean, my wife loves the show, which was a shock for me. You know, All my sisters love the show, so I I definitely think that speaks to a lot of its power, is how it's able to connect with both male and female viewers in different ways. So that was was all I had.
2: My wife does fit in that demographic. She... Took a little bit of uh, encouraging for her to watch the first season, but once she saw it, she was hooked. She was on it. Um, Isis, what did you have to say about the the Game of Thrones and their Emmy their place in the Emmys?
1: Well, I think it's it it's well deserved. The show has been outstanding. I actually tend to like shows kind of like this. Um, I mean, I was a big fan of Rome and Deadwood, which were not. I don't think geared to females, but I, I, so it's not odd for me to watch a show that maybe females would not be grabbed, you know, would not gravitate to. Uh, But it's not shocking that, you know, basically game of Thrones is on the cusp of being the number one Emmy nominated or or winning show. Uh, I did have some issues with some of the people who were nominated. I really felt that um, Sophie Turner Gave such a great performance this season, and for her to be left out. Was absolutely appalling. I mean, I would almost—I hate to say this—but if I, if we're going to go ahead and say okay, if we're going to have to leave somebody out, I would say Amelia Clark should have been left off the ballot. Oh, um, yes, I'm going to say it now. Um, Amelia, Ice is with the hot take. I know. I'm going to, and this is just my own opinion, but I, I feel that I, I think that Sophie Turner did such an excellent job. She should have been nominated for supporting actress um, instead of uh of Amelia Clark I think Amelia Clark has had throughout this whole entire uh series great moments on the sh- on the show great great moments I just didn't think this season she was you know really really up there absolutely Leanna should have been nominated and I thought Maisie did a really good job even though we kind of were ready for her to leave the, the house of uh black and uh, white and black and so um I felt that that we really And I'm not – I haven't always been a Sansa fan, but I felt like Sophia – Sophie Turner, she did an excellent job. I felt that Ian McShane should have gotten a guest actor nomination um, just because (laughs) I felt like – well, because I liked You're
2: just saying that because from Deadwood. No,
1: no, no, no. I just – I thought his – Just him being on the show for one episode and then him dying, like, I really felt his death. Like, I was like, oh, no, please, I want you to stay on the show. Can you please stay on the show? Um, He was just – he's so captivating, and he was so – he's so amazing. So I was really kind of disappointed that Ian McShane didn't get a uh, a nomination – um, but, you know, it is what it is. And then another person who I thought should have gotten a supporting actor nomination um, was Alfie Allen. Okay. I'll, I will agree with you on
2: that. I yes, feel absolutely. like
1: Alfie Allen, if you look at season one and season now, season six, mm-hmm. his acting has just skyrocketed. I agree. And I feel like he just – he, especially what he went through – You know, we saw him kind of at the beginning of the season, a broken down man trying to basically crawl his way out of all the things that had happened to him, this PTSD that had happened to him. And then see him sort of come out of that at the very last episode. Um, I just felt like his his work on this season, although it wasn't a whole lot, I thought it was very, very poignant and it made me you know, again, and I've been critical on the podcast about um, Alfie Allen's character and uh, about how, you know, he's not redeemable. I think I've said that several times. And I I mean, he he made him redeemable in a way that I don't think any other uh, maybe except for Jamie at at some point um, has has made that character. You, you want to cheer for him. You want to root for him. And um, I don't think that would have probably happened. Uh, with any other actor, I think Alfie Allen definitely deserved it. I've
2: got a good point about Alfie Allen playing uh,
1: uh, Theon Greyjoy or Reek. Uh, my
2: wife and I are on season three right now, and we just got to the point where Ramsay betrays him and tricks him and takes him back to the Dreadfort after he helps him escape. And um, Theon's sitting against the wall talking to Ramsay going, my, my real father died in King's Landing. And that's the moment to me, and I didn't. I guess maybe all the hatred and all the negativity I had towards the Theon character because of the way he betrayed the Starks. That's the moment now that on the rewatch I'm starting to think that's the moment where Theon started to become a redeemable character. As he admitted finally that his real father was Ned Stark, and he died in King's Landing. So um, – but yeah, I agree. Alfie Allen definitely uh, missed out really big on that one. Uh, Annie, our, our – composer for game of thrones got snubbed
3: well um in uh, actually if you uh, look through um what was uh what they put up um they didn't actually they put up for sound um in sound design they put up sound editing and they put up sound mixing but they didn't actually put him up for uh for um for music Basically, I can't
2: understand why Lord of Light is not on every ballot. Why why that.
3: they didn't why they didn't Light why they seven? didn't why he wasn't seven. why he wasn't nominated to be nominated. I don't know either. But you know, I mean, that's one of those things where they can only nominate what the show and what HBO put forward for nominations. So, you know, you guys talk about Affie Allen and say, you know, it's he was overlooked. He wasn't actually uh HBO and the show they didn't put him forward. The one who they put forward who wasn't uh, given the supporting actor nod was uh, uh, Nikolaj Koster-Waldau.
2: Oh, yeah, Jamie Lannister, that's true. He had a really good season. He had some great moments. Especially there at River Run in the tent with Brienne. Yeah, I mean, say, I mean uh, Sophie and,
3: Turner was put forward and she was rejected, and so was Carice Van uh, Houten, uh, who plays Mil- Melisandre. The two of them were God. put forward and they weren't given. Uh, nomination. And see, I don't think, I don't, I don't think Van
4: Houten
2: deserved one this year. Yeah. I don't think she really well, did anything. Well, what they do,
4: they're throwing, it's, they're throwing shit against the wall and seeing what sticks. I mean, that's what they're doing. Yeah. I mean, but the thing is, guys, if you look. And I think the two best points that I completely agree with Isis about were Alfie Allen has been criminally overlooked this entire series for his performance, and also with with Danny. And I think, Corey, I saw you agreed in chat as well that Danny really didn't do anything this season that would have yeah. made me go, yeah, Emmy, right there, because her speech on top of Drogon was kind of corny. But um, if you start looking at other categories, like especially uh, <laughs> especially with, like, Best Supporting Actor, which is where Dinklage, Harrington, uh, you know, they they ended up in where I can't say the guy that plays the Kingslayer's name. Don't ask me to.
2: Nicholas.
4: And those NC Dub. Those NC-Dub. those other people. You start. You have to start looking at the other people that were nominated. The Best Supporting Actor category is is absurd. Jonathan Banks, Dinklage, Harrington, Michael Kelly, Ben Mendelsohn, and John Voight. Who are you going to kick out to throw NC Dub wow. in there? like wow, and it's like man. that in every category and even with ones that like where i agree Danny shouldn't have been there i get why she is there she's like a huge part of the show and she carries a third of the storyline now on her on her back kind of so i yeah. i get why she's there but when it's all said and done the most important emmy is for the show itself which is like a reward for everyone and as good as all these shows are i don't see Game. I did not expect Game of Thrones to win it last year, and I, I don't see them losing it this year.
2: It's pretty much impossible, especially with – well, nothing's impossible. But with Season 5 being a – I guess a critical success but not a success among the fans, I guess I'm saying that correctly because now that Season 5 is over with, a lot of people have gone back and watched it, and the critics have said that Season 5 is one of the best seasons. I did not like Season 5 personally, and a lot of fans – on the internet, will agree with you when you when you talk about season five, they'll say yeah, it sucked. Well, the 10, the 10, 10, 10, reason, blah, blah, okay, blah.
3: actually, uh, if you don't mind me interrupting, the reason that season five got so much Emmy love last year was also because there was a rule change. You know, we heard a whole lot. I I know everybody's heard the big thing about Oscars so white last year. Well, the Emmys actually were proactively bringing in younger, uh, younger voters and diversifying their voter base and were really, you know, trying to shake things up quietly, you know, without even being prompted. And last year, a lot more people were eligible to vote than had ever been able to vote before. And it really changed the voting pool. And that's part of the reason why Game of Thrones swept in a way that it hadn't swept in the per- in the first 4 years.
4: Yeah, and then look at the list of the shows, like look at the best drama category and first off just to give an, an idea of, of the the level of quality television we're seeing now. It's The Americans, Game of Thrones, House of Cards, Downton Abbey, Better Call Saul, which by the way, the fact that I might like Better Call Saul more than Breaking Bad at this point,
0: whoa, which is whoa, it's wow. crazy.
4: But I, it's, wow, the first, it's good. Two, the first two seasons of Better Call Saul have been better to me than the first two seasons of Breaking Bad, and then Mr. Robot and Homeland, like mm. how. Even USA has got shows now. Mr. Robot, again, the channel that started off with Monk, which was great, and then Burn Notice, <laughs> and all these shows were like, ha ha, and you know, it's Royal Pains and just yeah, but yeah,
3: Royal it's, Pains. It's the wrestling stuff. channel, for heaven's sake! For exactly.
4: Channel. Like their biggest show is still wrong. They've got a show that has like seven drama category nominations. It's Kristen Slater is one of them. Like, what the yeah. hell is happening? Hell, we're in the 80s all over again. Exactly. TV now is so dense and crazy and good that uh, the fact, and that just speaks to the level of Game of Thrones even more, that it's racking up more nominations now when it has all of this incredibly qualified competition.
2: Well, I know Corey Corey Thone's a big The Walking Dead fan, so I know you'll be cheering for. I'm it uncontrollably. uh, (laughs) Don't you dare
4: lump me into the category with those mindless zombies, and I'm not going (laughs) to. Well and I would just
1: like to say that with the, with the addition of um shows being on Netflix and uh Amazon Prime and all those other ones, you know, we, we have so much great you know, a lot of people say, Oh well, you know, everybody in the movie and the movies are just basically rehashing or remaking movies over and over. Okay, well then don't watch the movies if that's not something that you want to watch. Watch TV because there are some really original stuff going on on TV and on on demand um you know cable systems like uh, Netflix and and Amazon and things like that. So, yeah, I think that you know it's it PVS Downton Abbey. I mean, come on. So oh my I feel my like mind. this, that was, that uh, my jam. this is the best time to be yeah. watching anything on if TV. You,
4: if you go and look and read about the 1990s from a cinematic perspective, the 90s were a second golden age of movies, not yes. just for action movies, which is what the 90s did better than any decade ever. And I'm not mm-hmm. saying that. I do not have 90s nostalgic glasses. I hate that crap. Most of the crap from the 90s. I do. I don't. The music, the TV, it was all trash, right? But the movies in the 90s were – amazing and, and from top to bottom you start in 1990 and you go to 99 every couple of years at least every two years you can say there was a game-changing movie and we are experiencing that same thing but in tv right now this is another this is a true golden age of television and i don't and, know how much longer it's going to last but it's incredible
1: and and i agree with you and I, and. When you start seeing actually movie actors come over to do TV shows, that's when you know that something has changed, you know, as far as doing movies and TVs. Because a lot of people would be like, oh, no, I would never be in a TV series. I'm going to be locked in for a couple yeah. of years and blah, blah, blah. I don't want to have any of that. And then you start to see, you know, all these actors who were strictly movie actors start mm-hmm. to come over and do TV series and you kind of go and say, "Oh, wow, so you're going to actually commit to to be on a show for a couple of years, then I'm going to yeah. I'm going to go with you on this little venture here." And uh, and it's amazing. It is absolutely amazing. Let's talk about the one snub that really bothers me more than
2: anything though, and that's Bella Ramsey. Mm. Come on, guys.
3: <laughs> she again come on. she wasn't put she wasn't put up. I know still though, I just don't one.
1: know where I would have put her if I would've I need, put I her, just, in I guest, her in the guest... Yeah, she would
3: have she would have been in guest if they had put yeah, her but she up but they really didn't. Only the has only two scenes. Yeah, the only guest that they really did, the only guest that they put up was Max von Oh, Max von Sydow, Sydow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sydow.
2: Yeah. Sydow. So, uh, and and hit and really honestly Sydow really didn't have that many scenes. He he was done by uh episode 5. Yeah, one mm-hmm. could
3: argue really that Dean McShane actually had a meatier role than
2: he did. I, I would, um, I, would
5: agree. I would agree with that yeah.
2: 100%. But Bella Ramsey for me uh she had two talking really big two talking roles but she stared down Ramsey from across the parlay and won that entire scene but um well, I, I, Ewan Rion, he didn't get, he he wasn't nominated, right? No, so he like was he, was an, he was amazing as Ramsey. Like he actually made me as much as I despise and hate Ramsey, um he actually made me enjoy watching Ramsey.
1: Yeah, I I would say I would agree with that. I think that um, he really brought something to the show that you know where I don't think anybody hated anybody more. I mean, we hadn't hated somebody as much as we hated Joffrey (laughs) in a really long time, and so for you know for him to come on the scene and we just go, oh my God, I hate him! I hate him! I hate him! It almost you almost forgot about how bad um, you know. Uh, what's his name was and he was just absolutely wonderful um so i would have actually been okay with him being nominated as a supporting actor uh you know the the bastards on the ballot Uh, that's what i would have called it
4: i I mean (laughs) honestly i'm with you again i'm surprised that he wasn't and i was i was kind of surprised that the people that were nominated for you know best supporting actor uh, you know, in a drama series, because Game of Thrones had a lot on there, in my opinion. They had, they were two, they had two on there. Dinklage, does, did Dinklage have, I mean, I know he had the dragon scene. Is that what, that was an amazing is that what got him they, nominated? I mean, I'm not trying to be a, a dick. He's already that. Throwing. He had
2: that and his interaction with Kinvara, the Red Priestess, okay. his, uh, the White... Him, him varies their their conversation as you walk like a rich man. That conversation. I the, would uh... I would
4: not have been opposed to honestly to having Dinklage not on it this year and putting Ramsey on, or even yeah. uh, I think Ramsey or Alfie Allen, but probably Ramsey because that dude that dude shoots chewed scenery better than anybody as good as anybody on this show. Mm-hmm. So I mean, and he didn't have as many lines or as much stuff as Joffrey did, uh, but I would say I hated him more than Joffrey because he had no reason to be as entitled as he was. And, and this was
2: no. this was the season that he could have wanted to because yeah. the showrunners handled him perfectly. They, did. They, did, they didn't throw him in our face. They could have showed him every episode if they wanted to, and they didn't. They didn't throw him in our face. And when he showed up for the Battle of the Bastards, he was as evil as Bill. Like, he called John Bastard several times. He killed Rick on. But then, well, the, the Battle of the Bastards, he did most of his acting with with, with his face, like his, his facial expressions. Like, he the the no-look arrow shot when he was shooting that at was Rick funny. on that was yeah. that was amazing well. and then uh whenever he sees the knights of the veil vale come through that look on of, his of disgust that gets on his face it's like come on
1: man this guy deserves it but whatever um well let's just and, and one quick thing real quick and then we can move on but let's just be honest i was i was a little disappointed that uh that uh, hbo didn't even put uh, Tormund with his eye fucking I, I, mean, I was like, that was a spectacular eye-fucking. How did you that not is your, nominate that? Is that? No, I'm just is, that is, that is, that is In
4: the one. best eye-fucking category, *Torment* yes. uh, and
5: then
3: uh, the girl <laughs> from the Man.
5: Americans. And I forget. All the right nominated part. against himself. Which scene was better? <laughs>
3: <laughs> well, you know, the thing is, is that, you know, this year is our last year to talk about the Emmys for at least another, because, you know, next year, if they're really serious about not starting season seven until summer, they're going to miss the elig- el- eligibility period for next year's Emmys.
2: Yep, that's a, that's a great segue. Uh, we are starting season seven late this uh, in 2017. It's going to be like probably... People are saying end of May, beginning of June. Um, it's going to be late, guys. It's not going to be like – and, and we don't know how how late they're going to start filming, which means it could get pushed back even more. So it's going to be be bad. What do you think, Isis? Tell me how you feel about
1: it. I don't, I'm sorry. I was I was tweeting. What did you just say? Oh, my God. I'm so sorry. I, look, look, I was tweeting this is something really what you really pay quick.
2: for, ladies and gentlemen. See, uh, you, you scream at
4: millennials this. about tweeting it, but it's oh. ISIS over there. I yeah. know. Yes.
1: Oh, yeah, ISIS. It's the goddess ISIS. I'm sorry. And that's ISIS, my real name. So if you guys have any <laughs> – if you guys take any offense, it has been my driver's name license, for, please? for 37 <laughs> years believe me Driver it's my license name. or passport. it's not it's not something that i i picked for myself blame my mother
4: i can oh assure God. you that nobody is probably as upset about name selections than our friend isis
1: like
2: <laughs> or the people from archer exactly well they just yeah they could just drop it though as they did she they went to the biggest agency come on man oh come i start. know anyway that's another show okay. we'll talk about that later okay
1: so let's let, let's let's talk okay, about let's
2: season
3: say, nine, i'm then.
1: sorry i'm
2: back let's talk about season seven how you feel about the late start in the summer okay. i mean
1: so of course i'm absolutely disappointed um i really was looking forward to seeing you know of course the show and during its regular time um, I understand why they want to kind of push it back because they want the sceneries to be nice and they want to do it in Europe and not Canada, even though I guess um, I I think Annie was the one who told me that Canada invited them like Hey come here and film <laughs> Yeah okay, they, come were, over they, here. they were literally
3: like you know our we, we you know one of our sports team the motto is Winter is here or something like yeah. that and I was just like really
1: <laughs> Winter is always here and so I felt like um, I understand why they're doing it I saw I saw an article i believe that annie wrote of like the castles and that the, the places that they're they're want to film in um and what it looks like during the winter time and it looks spectacular so i'm going to go ahead and say yes okay let's go ahead and wait a little bit longer but shit can you give us some more episodes can, can you give us some more episodes a little more than seven, seven Corey episode smith. is not enough for me
2: Corey smith what do you got to say about well that?
5: i mean I think you brought you touched on it for a second. You know, they said that it's going to debut in summer of 2017. But I mean, what does that mean? You know, does that mean exactly. does that mean June or does that mean August? You know what I mean? Like,
2: that's a
3: big difference.
2: When does summer officially start? Well, it's in June or July, right? The official
3: start of summer is is uh, the equinox, and which is June.
0: Which yeah. Is okay, then, there
1: you go. But so, but I um, mean, <laughs> as far as as far as television. The summer shows. Oh, well, I guess, you know,
3: with television, I mean, honestly, like um, when Poldark did a summer season last year, I think it started literally the week after Game of Thrones ended. So that would have been mid-June, you know, for PBS's summer season with uh, with the um, Great British Baking Show. That started two weeks ago. I mean, that started on July 4th. So, you know, honestly, you know, Project Runway technically starts in summer and it probably will start the first week of August. So there's a real spread there when it comes to summer shows since summer was never traditionally a time. You know, it's not like September where there is a week where like it's actually debut week and it's up to, you know, channels don't usually pay attention to it, but once upon a time they really did. And so everybody still sort of knows that like the week of September 25th would traditionally be the week everybody brings all their stuff out if they were following that.
1: Yeah, okay. yeah, if there were if it's a fall show, spring show and then the summer shows. And so I mean there's going to be such a spread and not that I don't think that Game of Thrones is going to have very much competition. They don't have very much competition even when it's in the fall time frame. Um uh, oh, no, I uh, I
3: I think it'll, I think putting it in the summer means that they probably could score even more audience than because there's literally no competition.
1: Yes, yeah. uh, exactly. And shows like um, what is it, Outlander? Who do their shows during the summer? T- run their shows mm-hmm. during the summer too. Um, they do it on Saturdays versus doing it on Sundays, which is really smart for them. And I think that there's going to be if if there are summer shows that are going to have to compete with Game of Thrones, they're going to have to switch their days, maybe. A mess. yeah. Exodus. I mean,
5: th- like like I said, that that part really scares me that it could be any time during the summer. And then you know, as far as when they start it. I think the only show that they might even remotely consider would be going up against would be The Walking Dead, and I, even then, I don't really see them viewing them as too much competition. But that'd be the only one I could see them saying, "Hey, we got to get on before they start." And Walking Dead, Walking oh,
2: Dead, Walking Dead is branched out to a new show to the yeah, but I don't
5: think the they worry now. about that second one. I think if well, no,
2: they don't. But I mean, it's starting to build up steam. AMC's got a got a slate of shows now, and. Um,
5: Right, and, and the, when,
2: when when Game of Thrones isn't on, Walking Dead brings in the numbers. Right.
5: and I think, and if I if I'm not mistaken, the original Walking Dead usually premieres in October. Yes. So you know that would mean they wouldn't want to start. You know, they'd want to start at the latest, the first week of September. So, well, and
2: it's only it's only seven episodes, right. so it's seven weeks. It's not like we have to really go through a No, know, a big... I, and I, I don't think
3: we're we're looking at something as late as September. I'm thinking we're looking at something like July, the first week of July, the second week of July, as our latest start point for a summer season of Game of Thrones.
4: Yeah, I would July say July 4th, 4th, 4th weekend.
5: Yeah, July 4th was on a Monday this year, so I'm guessing next year, Tuesday, so they probably wait till after that at least.
1: And because they're having such an abbreviated season, they can start later in the summer and still go ahead and go into their fall season. Because you got to think about it that Game of Thrones, I mean, after Game of Thrones ends in the summer, you know, HBO wants to still capture those viewers. They're going to try to go ahead and keep them for the fall. And so I would see them do it probably like you all are saying, mid uh, summer, and then to end that, that last episode in the uh, fall season. And that would probably be around September, October time frame is when uh, like all the new shows. If, if, <laughs> if you guys have ever read any of my articles before, I have this Excel spreadsheet that I do every year and it's a real thing.
0: <laughs> it's real. I've it's, seen it. It's
1: real. I have it going back like since 2011 or something like that. And, uh, and it's, it's an Excel spreadsheet, and it shows you uh, what episodes are going to be coming on and uh, what dates. And, and the fall season always falls on that. Like basically, you have that second week of September. I guess after what, what is it Memorial Day, right? Mm-hmm, yeah. And yeah. then and then and you also have shows that start up in October. Uh, But the big new shows will always start in the fall in the September time frame. So I think it's going to be really, really interesting. I'm just really disappointed that they decided to do um, seven seven episodes. They had been warning us that they were going to do that. And um, I was hoping that they weren't going to really do it, and they did it. So I really feel like – They did it. They pulled the trigger, which means if they stick
2: to the – There's only 13 episodes left. That means uh, the final season's only going to be six episodes. Yeah, they've
3: they've hedged in case it runs a little long that it could be as many as 15, which means that at the absolute outside, season eight would be eight episodes, but I wouldn't count on it.
2: No, uh, D&D, Benioff and Weiss, uh, they don't really seem too keen on stretching it out. Right
1: now, do you so. think do you think that maybe the last episode may be a, just a longer episode than the hour long like you know I could see that. You like know, a 2 hour, two hour episode a yes, hour Yeah, finale. exactly. I could totally see that. Or an and hour I could and see
3: them I could see them deciding to do like a 90 minute episode for the finale rather than try and do like two episodes. Absolutely.
2: I could even see them um, releasing it in IMAX, like they did the uh, premiere of, uh, of the trailer for season five. So, I mean, there's all kinds of things they could do. That I
5: also wonder why they don't do sort of a Lord of the Rings type thing and just film the final two seasons kind of back to back. I mean, not? it's only fifteen. I, what's that? I mean, who
4: said, I mean, who said they're not? Because I thought yeah. that that was something they haven't really talked about. But that wouldn't surprise me to have them drop the first seven over the summer. And then only a few months
5: after that, like I, I just don't see to why drop. you wouldn't surprise. If you we're back. Only get six more to film. Like they're talking. I don't know why you wouldn't just. I mean, that's really only three more than a regular season. Why you wouldn't just film those final three and then, you know, release if them? If they like, had more,
3: if they had more directors on tap, I might believe that and I might think yeah. that that's what they're planning to do. But at this point, they only have four directors booked to uh, work for you know the off-season, and since they only have four and we only have seven episodes and they usually give, like, each director gets two, so in this case, three directors will get two and one director will get one, um, so yeah, I don't see them doing, I I see them only really doing those seven and then waiting a year.
2: Yeah, these are, are unusual directors. We have Mark Mylod which I know uh, that's uh, Corey's favorite, Corey Thun's favorite director. I want to talk about it.
3: you know i actually did a i did an article this morning on those four directors that they pulled and you know mark Millard and uh and uh, uh podestwa um are basically these are their workhorse directors you know these are their ones that they they're not guys who you know go off the reservations they're not guys who bring big ideas to the table they're they do what they're given, and they, and what they give us is basically as good as what is written on the page. Sure, so, but then know, but
4: then they go and try to get fancy and make, as Mark Mylon put it, the best fight scene or chase scene in television history between the <laughs> Waif and Arya, and instead we got a really crappy, cheesy version of, of Robert Patrick chasing John Connor.
3: And, <laughs> Terminator 2. Yeah, you know, and it, it's just, you know, the thing is, right, like, you know, like, someone like Miguel, I'm going to butcher his lesson. Seppo. We're okay, Seppo. Seppo, okay. You know, he actually, when he comes to the table, he actually brings ideas. You know, when he came to the Battle of the Bastards, he threw out the script partway through and had them improvise. When he looked at Hard Home, he said, guys, what we need is someone who we can focus on. You know this character who you gave like five lines to at the beginning, what's her name, Garcy? Let's focus on her the entire way through so that death has a human face. Like, he brings those kinds of ideas to the table. These are, these are not guys who do that. You know, they do the kind of episode, like, if Unbound Unbent, Bend Unbroken um, says, you know, if Sansa is being raped, and we cut to Theon's face, they don't say, hey, maybe we should cut to Sansa's face instead. What they do is they film Theon's face. The end. Yeah. Like, that's what... Yeah. And and that's, you know, for most, for the bulk of the show, you know, I wouldn't be surprised to see them assigned to, like, the first couple of episodes, especially if we're going to have been off for over a year. I mean, if, if the start date for season seven is the beginning of July, it will have been over a year since we last were in Westeros. And that first episode is going to be a... T- total let's reset the stage take all the pieces out of the bag and put them back on the board so we all remember where they were you know you don't need a fancy director to do that you need a workhorse director you know and there's gonna be if we're
5: only gonna have seven episodes can we please skip that episode but let's catch up with everybody
3: but at the same time have road Please. trip episodes, but we're not going to skip the road trip episodes, are oh. we? I mean, Danny has to travel from the base of Dorne all the way up to King's Landing. Okay, we have we have reports that uh, people are going to be filming in Iceland, which means that we're going to have groups of people go north of the Wall. We're going to have road trips. These these are you know we're going to have episodes. You still have
2: the Night's nice King and his army have to come across the Wall. You know, they have
3: to break down. down. Yeah, we have. We we're going to have episodes <laughs> where Cersei is slowly surely screwing everything up. We know it's going to build to something big, and it's all going to explode in their face. But we're going to have a couple of those episodes where you know, stupid, stupid Cersei Lannister memes will be made. I mean, that's, these are workhorse episodes. They're going to be there, and you need workhorse directors for those.
5: That sucks, what I, though.
3: It, that, it sucks. Just, that That's, that's the I mean, way. That's, you're only gonna it's give how are Tiki sausage made? I'm sorry.
5: I know, but, like, it, I don't mind those so much. I mean, I was just, you know, today I was ranking the, the ten episodes from season six, and obviously the kind of workhorse episodes you are talking about got lower rankings. And I don't mind those so much if it's a ten-episode season, but if we're only getting seven episodes, let's get to the freaking point already. Like, I don't, you know what I mean? Like, I I don't think, how do we have time for that shit in season seven? You know what I
1: mean? Well, no, it's exactly I, like, I agree go ahead. Corey. No, no, go ahead, Corey. Corey's
4: no, no. Bone, first of his name, I would say I agree with Annie. Sadly, that there's going to have to be road trip episodes where it's like, all right, so Danny's in Dorne, John's at Winterfell, Cersei's here, and then everything in between. Like everything has to get lined up so they can fight. You know, that's everybody forgets that part of you know like Return of the King or uh, Return of the Jedi, whichever return you want to look at. There's a lot of moving pieces on the chessboard into the right places. Yeah. And uh and the thing is, there's only seven episodes. So Mark Mylon, I think one of the things that makes him perfect for those uh road trip episodes is he clearly uh doesn't care about making shit make sense. Just end it and that's
1: it. <laughs> so fine. Well- <laughs> I just I just think that you know we're coming off of this season where I think we all, you know, in the last two podcasts we had talked about, you know, how slow I think maybe two episodes we felt that it was kind of the pace was very slow. It felt like we had to kind of build up to something again and and I think that we're going to get that with um with this episode with this season coming up. I just hope it's not going to be two episodes long in this season itself. Because we all, it's such an abbreviated season. I mean, you know, it's one thing when you're talking about like twelve episodes or fifteen episodes, but to to take two episodes to kind of do build up, uh, or three episodes to do build up, um, in a seven season, if you, and I say that with air quotes, um, seven episode season, that's just that's going to really drag, um, the season down.
4: You guys are going to be yeah. super pissed when those seven episodes all build up to a cliffhanger.
3: <laughs> you know and that, and that brings me to my next point. If you look at the lineup of directors, you know they didn't bring back Sapo. They didn't bring in Neil Marshall, which are their go-to's for battles. There is no director on this on this call list that yeah, they had that. do mate that they've had to do major battles. You know, um, Alan Taylor. They he was in. He directed in in seasons uh, one and two. He did episodes like Baylor. Big twist episode, but not big battle episode, you know, so I wouldn't be surprised if this seven episode arc ends up being one that has those kinds of baylor like, you know, Ned gets his head chopped off. Oh, nobody saw that coming. Twist. But not actually big battles. I mean, it's hard to believe that we'd have you know this close to the end of the series a season with no battles. But I'm actually wondering if that might be a thing. And the fourth guy who they brought in, um, it, who's never done this stuff, who's never done Game of Thrones before, he's from uh, It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia, uh, Matt Shankman. Um, yes. and he, oh, I yeah. expected you, I expect dark comedy from him.
5: He's gonna pump up Tyrion's. Conversations with uh, Grey Worm and
3: the (laughs) No, we're gonna get a
5: cold. We're gonna get cold
4: open with like Danny being like, "Listen, guys, we're not going back to Marine. We can just leave it over there, okay? Don't worry about it." And then it cuts to black, and it's like you know Dorn on a Tuesday, and then it cuts to black, and it gets called the episode's called "Danny Goes to Marine," and the violence kick in, and like that's.
3: So, yeah, like, oh, I expect comedy from him, I expect, like, dark comedy, and I expect, like, you know, a, I I I expect a good character-type episode, but I'm not, I don't know, does he do battles? Has he done a lot of battles? He's done, like, Mad Men, you know? Like, this is just not...
1: He's a high thinker.
3: Yeah. Um, well, was, I think
1: he does uh, real probably, probably more up-close and personal filming, so I think that's what we're going to get. We're not going to get these big, big, you know, see- I mean, again... We're we're kind of putting this guy in a box just by what his film work is. He could probably do that stuff, but I you know, feel like it's going to corner. be a lot more of, you know, strategic stuff going on, tight in the faces filming. Um, True, but and you and know, we also didn't. We
3: didn't. But we also didn't put Jack Bender in a box. And what did he do? He did time twist stuff.
2: He blew our fucking minds of what he did. Um, let's talk really quick um, about what could happen in season seven with. All these stories merging into Westeros. Um, Meereen, Bravos, they're no longer a thing. Everybody's in Westeros now. Danny will probably land in Dorne and start making her way to King's Landing more than likely. I guess that's what the story's going to be. Jon is going to have to face off against the White Walkers. They're going to have to come across the wall. Um, I don't – I personally don't see um, a season going without – the White Walkers bringing the wall down. I just don't see that happening. The
3: question is, does it happen early or does it happen all the way at the end of the season? I actually wouldn't be surprised if they had it fall earlier in the season rather than later.
2: I would prefer it early. That way you have characters lining up to deal with, with the White Walker uh, threat. Because that's what they've been setting this up for is the wars yeah. to come, right? If they
5: don't get across all- the wall before the – I mean, early – I mean, if they're not – get, if let's say they brought the wall down at the end of season seven – then that means they're not actually a threat to Westeros until right. the eighth season. And it's like, yeah, well, like you said, they've been building that the entire series. We need to see them actually do something, like get south of you the gotta, wall and got, start fucking to, shit up.
2: you got to draw a conclusion to Bran's story across the wall, so he's got to come across. And does that mean the knight's King mark is, is like a key, like a universal key that just lets him in everywhere? So, if he comes across the wall, does that nice, the Night King mark, like, let him in the wall? And does that, is that the way the wall falls? Um, I mean, are we going to see things like that happen in season seven? Well, uh, but what they've talked about, what Benioff and Weiss has talked about in previous seasons, coming up to season five and six, they were like, let's make the world smaller. We're trying to bring characters in together, right? They're trying to, like, kill the mirroring and the Bravo story because. It's too far out. It's too spread out. The story, central storyline will be in Westeros where the White Walkers come. That's where the real threat to mankind is. It's not, it's not armies facing armies. It's the, the dead versus the living basically. So that's what we got to get over. That's what we got – all these powerhouses – I mean I – honestly, we don't, we, don't have a book, we don't have a book to go after. So we don't know what's going to happen in, in the Winds of Winter, the book. Um, hopefully that gets released here pretty soon. Um, so we have some kind of story canon to go off of, but what I'm worried about is, are they going to? I don't know. Are, are they going to take all these major characters that are leading armies, and are they going to um, make them sue for peace to fight fight against the White Walkers together? Are we going to see Cersei and Danny actually work together instead of fight each other? No, no,
3: no chance no. in hell.
2: Well, all I'm saying is they're already building up a Cersei and Danny uh, confrontation, and it would not surprise me if the big twist is they make peace and they, they fight the White Walkers together. What,
3: what is that? What is that we, somebody, we mentioned wrestling on USA earlier. What is that song, No Chance in Hell? Uh, just, yeah, no change yeah like I'm sorry like that is so totally my response to that like no I, I cannot see that Cersei is far too short sighted and far too stupid to ever make that kind of choice she just she's just too stupid uh uh-uh. uh like we know that we know that she's a person who does not think about the consequences of her actions and she doesn't think beyond her own needs and she's going to look at any kind of threat from the White Walkers and she's going to be like oh that's a lie that was just then, a lie.
2: Rip that up. Rumpkins and Snark.
3: Yeah, nope. She's not even going to pay any attention to that. The only hope that King's Landing and the rest of Westeros have is for Danny to depose her in order to have somebody who's in charge who actually takes the threat seriously. Yeah, and I, well, would, she's not going to give
5: even, up power now that she just got it. So,
1: yeah. and I agree. Um, I would, but I could see her, her sending Jamie up to the wall and maybe a small army. A contingent of people to go up there uh, to see what's going on, but more so just to kind of get rid of Jamie out of there, um, so she can basically run amok. Uh, and yeah, do whatever, especially so. especially if he's if he's trying to stop her from misbehaving. Absolutely. So I can definitely see her maybe sending some people, but more so to to get rid of Jamie. Um, so that way she can just go ahead and do what she wants to at will. But it's not one that it's going to have a, a, a contingent that has any real teeth, if you will. It's not going to be a, a, a real army put together. So.
2: Well, we do have um – some locations that were confirmed in that release we won't really get into that uh heavy to this podcast but uh they're all spain heavy um i'm not no. even gonna try to butcher their names because you'll just laugh at let's me. let's not even
4: it. talk about it because if it's spanish then it's and i said that correctly if it's spanish <laughs> spanish if it's spanish, if it's what are spanish you, Adam can i finish can i finish please can i finish
2: <laughs> if I'm, I'm gonna let you finish, I'm gonna let you finish. If
4: it's Spanish, it's Dornish, and I don't want anything to do with that ish. So
2: <laughs> I will say that I am. A-
4: You're welcome. I am assuming that one of the stipulations for all the boats and shit from the Martells and the Tyrells and all the other boats. Exactly. You, you stoned bastards. <laughs> um
3: and be floppy.
4: Uh, exactly. No, I, I think that one of the stipulations from uh, the Tyrells and the Martells is first things first, well, you can get our boats and stuff. First things first, when we get over into Westeros, we kill Cersei and we take yeah. King's Landing. So I yeah. wouldn't be surprised if, season, if the next season, whatever season seven, is a lot of the battles are focused on... Danny versus King's Landing and that might not even take that long at this point. And then it comes to like, all right, so now we got this king in the north to deal with, and then, you know, Varys is like, maybe Varys and Tyrion are probably like, Hey, let's not uh let's not immediately think that Jon Snow is a is a enemy because, you know, especially Tyrion and John have a bit of a history and he's like, you know, let's go find out what's going on first. And then they get up there mm-hmm. and then John is like, You need to help us fight these white bitches. And (laughs) yeah, and I mean, and I know that's really here's the problem with what I just said. That's racist. It is. First off, it is that. Secondly, (laughs) it, it sounds almost too easy to see coming for this show. But as we talked about on the last show, and Dan is the one who actually made the point. Now that they don't have this massive cast to play around with and kill off, they're putting everybody into. Um, you know, into a box, into Westeros, and traditional storytelling is going to start happening. So things that you see in the future that you're like, oh, this can't be, it's too obvious. Well, it is still just an an adventure, you know, story, book, whatever. I mean, it's fantasy fantasy book. I mean, there's going to be those elements of it, and I don't think that, as I said last week, I don't want this show to end with, Cersei or a White Walker or something sitting on the throne. I want someone I like to win. You know, let's 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 hope for that. I, I, you know, let's not hope for something to be depressing just to be a change of pace. I like happy endings personally. So.
1: Well, you see, and you then do. my if you talk to my husband, he would rather have. You know, someone like the White Walker sitting on the Iron Throne because he likes to, you know, have the unexpected, yeah, chaos and unexpected outcome when it's, you know, too predictable. He's like, oh gosh, that was so such a boring ending. Um, So he would he would be excited if someone, um, you know, like. Like the White Walker King was the one who was sitting on the Iron Throne and everybody else was dead. He would, lo- or even if it was varies you know, someone who nobody thought could ever be king, and then they're sitting Little on the Finger. Iron Throne. It, it, Littlefinger, you know, Littlefinger or some, well, well not even Littlefinger, but it, like varies or somebody, somebody like well, that.
3: I, I know the two of you don't read the books, but you know George Martin. Um, when asked about the ending, he won't say. But what he does say every time is, "It's a bittersweet ending."
5: bitter yep. Uh,
4: yeah. Yep. So then it so, won't be Little. I don't think Littlef- Littlefinger makes it through this season. I think he, he's dead this season.
3: I, do I would. I, do. I, I would love that to be true.
4: Littlefinger and Euron and Cersei are probably all going to die this season. I think the last season that there's going to it's going to be the White Walkers and
5: First, Danny and John.
4: Danny John, and then there's going to be another element of like humanity that is also a villain. Maybe Jorah finds out that the cure for uh, eczema or whatever he has, and (laughs) while he's out, yeah, while he's out looking for that, he discovers like nuclear weapons, and now we have to barter with you know North Essos and you know.
1: (laughs) Oh my god. I don't know. Well,
3: trade, we trade agreements and Senate deals are for Star Wars, please and thank you.
5: Wait a well, I thought I was the Corian drugs. No.
4: <laughs> you all, you all laugh, but don't pretend like this show hasn't bogged us down. In you know, there's no gold in the caves anymore, and the Tyrells are supplying the bread and all that. They've gotten there as well when they had the time, but now they don't have the minutia. time anymore. Yeah, the minutiae. Of uh, (laughs) living in Westeros, you
1: are high as fuck. Real (laughs) good
5: word you. Uh,
1: Go ahead. Well, anyway, I just wanted to say that I'm actually (laughs) excited about the places. Um, I was reading on uh, Winter is Coming, and the info of the places, you know, that they're planning to film in Spain. Um, Seville, Caceres, Amador, De Rio, Santa Ponte, Humaniac, right, did, did you just take Terremo. a bite of peanut butter? <laughs> huh? Did you
4: just take a bite of peanut butter? What the hell happened to you? you...
1: Uh, <laughs> being that I'm the only person who speaks Spanish on this podcast, uh, I can actually say the names. <laughs> oh, so you... Anyway, I'm actually really... I speak Spanish. <laughs> <fast. laughs> just because you're from Texas doesn't mean you speak Spanish. <laughs> hey, okay. So <laughs> I'm really, really excited about the um, – especially the the castle, uh, the Castillo Adamo – I can't say it. Adamo, you can't even say it. I know. It. I just got all tongue twisted uh, because the castle is, is absolutely gorgeous. And then they showed a picture on um, the article of it w- when the snow has fallen. And it's absolutely gorgeous. And I think it could be any castle, you know, in the kingdoms. I mean, it doesn't have to be Dorne or anything like that, just because it's in Spain. Um, so I think it's a great, great way to do that. I don't think to be honest, if we already have um Varies, why do we need to go to Dorne? Didn't we just pick him up from Dorne? So I'm Oh no, I-
3: fa- just fastest landing pad. I mean, Danny has to land in Westeros and walk out of boats, and she's gonna, and that's gonna be in some south, the south corner of Dorne. Yeah, and that's, that's was, just geography.
5: I was kind of intrigued though that there were seemed like there was multiple beaches uh, that they were scouting, so uh, I I didn't know what that meant for the story. Like, are they gonna scatter Danny's fleet, or is she gonna land a couple places? You know what I mean?
2: They could take it in the young Griff arc right. where his army could spread out right. over the seas and they all land in different spots. That's yeah, exactly I what man. I kind
5: of thought, that they don't all necessarily <laughs> land in one spot and then just form up and start. Well,
2: playing. listen, listen, Here, here's what we do know. Season 7, just like every season, uh, dragons grow a little bit bigger, and the dragons will be a, a large part of Danny's army. So there you go with that. So they're going to have to up the CGI budget, although we don't have any – Direwolves Wolves left except for Ghost, and I guess Nymeria is running around the Riverland somewhere, but Ghost, um, you know, he's around there somewhere, so the CGI is just going to be basically dragons, and uh, so, yeah, I yeah, guess attack Fox it at too land? Though, So Well, but they're really, you know, they're done in the makeup show, I mean, yeah, obviously there's a lot of CGI involved there, obviously, but... The makeup department really shines through with those guys and the actors. But, like I said, um, we need kind of need to wrap this podcast up. We're not going to go two hours like we have in the past couple of Thank weeks. Christ. I know you're happy, and Corey Smith is about to lose his mind anyway. I'm he, I'm sure he's seeing colors right now. But um, he <laughs> I can, can see hear my heart. He, he, I'm sorry. He can I'm taste sorry, colors. Racer,
4: and, are you implying he doesn't usually see colors? He's what colorblind. He's colorblind.
2: Man. Shut your goddamn mouth! That's All crazy. right. So anyway, um, <laughs> <laughs> what we do know is we're gonna have. Um, I guess Spain is going to be the main filming location. Is what we're looking at, right? Right Spain,
3: now, no, they're still gonna do, they're still going to do a lot in Ireland. If nothing else, we'll be doing it in the Titan uh, or uh, the Titanic Studios. So there will be a lot of stuff in in Northern Ireland, if nothing else, in studio instead of outside. But since they're waiting for winter, I don't see why they wouldn't be doing filming
2: in Northern Ireland as well. Well, that's always the headquarters anyway, isn't it, right? Yes, that's correct. Well, okay, so we're going to talk more about this next week, and I'm sure we'll have more news from San Diego Comic-Con where we have our Game of Thrones panel, and I believe the showrunners D&D will be there to answer questions. Um, I'm sure it's going to be a fun time, and we'll be back next week to talk about that, so – for myself, for Corey Thone, for the uh, high out of his mind, Corey Smith, for uh, Annie Bundle, for Isis, the goddess Isis. I, wanna I say. thought
1: this I was I thought I was boozy and Annie was. No,
0: no, <laughs> <Time> <laughs> no, no. Time I was trying to give you a Time compliment, can anyway.
1: We, can,
4: Isis, you and I, we are boozy, and let's not. <laughs> I'm Let's normally not boozy is. too. Let's Don't not leave hide. me That's out.
3: really awkward. I mean, come on. No, no, no. You... Now you're drugged, tear. It's different.
4: You, I can't. I'm I can't go boozy. to campfires because I might burst in the flames.
5: <laughs> and as
4: big as I am, it'd be like a tire fire, baby. I'd burn for days.
2: <laughs> <So>. <laughs> be like the stuff to Baylor. Yeah, exactly. Boom. <laughs> so um, we'll talk to you guys next week. Thanks for listening, and uh, a lot of. My
0: Get everything for your next project today at Menards and save big money. Keep your walls and trim protected while you paint with Scotch Blue Painter's Tape. It's designed for use on multiple surfaces and can be removed easily without leaving residue behind. Save big on Scotch Blue Painter's Tape from Menards. Also, view our weekly flyer on Menards.com and check out all of our great deals happening this week.
1: Save big money at Menards.